Well, good morning. Pastor Daryl, thank you so much for bringing Sister Lily to be with us. I enjoy that thoroughly. It is a gift from God. Some people have it, some people don't, and it's not fair. It's not fair. So, uh, Today we're continuing our series, Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything, and we're in the beginning of chapter 6 of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there to Galatians 6 now. If you have your physical Bible, raise your physical Bible at me. I want to see those. Okay, bonus points to you. Bonus points. Um, if you're a guest today, first time here, please come back next week to hear Pastor Bruce preach. One of my favorite preachers of all time. You will be blessed by this ministry, so come back, please. Um, but I've really enjoyed this series so far going through this letter. And if you've missed any of these uh, sermons, go back and watch them on our YouTube channel. But Paul's primary message here in Galatians is convincing these believers that salvation comes only by believing in Jesus. That's it, right? We, we don't do anything to, to make ourselves right before God, right? We don't have to add anything to the gospel. God doesn't need our help. This is free. This is, we, 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 um, we are saved because we completely trust in his sacrifice on the cross. He did it all. He paid for it all. And so if you're um, not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you're still trying to figure this old Jesus thing out, let me just tell you that, that you can come, you don't have to fix yourself up, you don't have to check all the boxes first, you don't have to clean yourself up. He's already paid for it. And so you can come to him and just simply accept it. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I trust in your sacrifice. That's the good news this morning. Um, and so uh, there, there were these Jewish leaders in that time. They were trying to teach people to, that they still had to keep these uh, old uh, Jewish customs and laws, primarily the law of circumcision. And Paul saying, no, we're not saved by anything we do. But it's in the sacrifice of Jesus. But this message of grace, saying, you know, it's all God's grace, it has the potential of creating this idea that it doesn't really matter how I live. I can live however I want to because Jesus, he'll forgive me. He's, there's grace there. Um, so it really doesn't matter. And so in chapter 5, he corrects this idea that I can just live however I want to. And he says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. He says that in verse 13 of chapter 5. And so last week, pastor uh, talked about what freedom means. And that not only are we free from the Old Testament laws and customs, but we're free from the bondage of sin, and, and free to walk in the Spirit. And so the, the transforming work that happens in our heart as, as Jesus comes in, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, is that we want to live a life of obedience, right? We hear this all the time that good works is not the means to salvation, it's, it's the result of it. So when Jesus does this work in our life, all we want to do is obey. That's how it works. And so, uh, so he, he's addressing this issue of sin, and in chapter 6, he continues addressing it. Um, so we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. 
Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word today. I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. God, do a transforming work in our life. I pray that we would leave today uh, more like you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So he says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. Now, I want to make sure that we understand this is not some obligation. He's not saying, hey, you live by the Spirit, so now you got to restore people. That's just the deal. That's part of it. I really didn't want to, but now I live by the Spirit, so now i got to do this. No, he's saying that this is the natural result of living by the Spirit, right? Because of God's transforming work in our hearts, this is something we want to do, okay? Um, We want to help people who are in sin get out of that sin, okay? So let me just pose this question. Do you care about the spiritual health of the people around you? Because people are dealing with all kinds of things. I'm dealing with things. You're dealing with things. But what does that do? Does, do? Do you care about people? Not just how they're doing, not just their financial situation, not just how their family's doing, but deep, deep inside what's happening on the inside. Does that do anything inside of you? Because we have an enemy, right? And what does the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, destroy right, in this life and in the next, and um, so we're, we're fighting a real world war, not a uh, physical war, but a spiritual one, and so if I say that I care about you, but I don't care about what's happening spiritually inside, don't care about your, where you're headed eternally, then I don't really care about you. It's not, it's not real. And so it's not that just we want to prevent or or, um, we don't want people to suffer. We also want people to experience the fulfillment that comes from walking with Jesus in obedience. It's not just, I don't want you to to experience this hard life, but I want you to experience joy. How many of you know that when you walk with Jesus in obedience, it brings joy in your life, fulfillment, Blessing comes from God. We want people to experience that because we've experienced it. We know what it feels like. We know what this relationship is like, and so we want everyone around us to experience the same thing. So do you care? If not, why not? Have, have, has Jesus really done a work in your life? Because he's saying that you should live by the Spirit. Should, this is the natural result of walking with Jesus. You care about people. Um, but as we go about restoring someone, he gives some specific instruction about how to do that because there's a wrong way to do this. Have you experienced the wrong way? Either you're the one trying to restore somebody or someone's trying to restore you. Um, I've experienced the right way and the wrong way. Uh, So how do we restore someone who's in sin? That's the main question we're asking uh, today. So, number one, he says to restore that person gently. Be gentle. So, if you remember, in chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
And he said, you know, we, were, we know those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that we live out all the time. Not just when we want to. Not just when it's convenient. I think sometimes we think of the fruit of the Spirit as, as something I put on, like clothes that I put on, and I can change out of those clothes if I, if I want to. But no, the, the fruit of the Spirit is like our blood. It's not things we put on and take off. This is who we are. This is ingrained in us. And so even when we go to restore someone, we are to be gentle because this is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So, um, so even when we restore, we are to be gentle. Some people struggle with this, and I've experienced this in my life. They, they feel like it's almost like their job to convict people. Like, like even, uh, let me just say that that's not our job. Our job is to, um, because Jesus said, uh, John 16, he said, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin. So the Holy Spirit, part of his role is to come in and produce that conviction, that godly sorrow, right? And um, this is not our job. Our job is to point it out, hey, here's, here's what I see. Here's what the Bible says. It's not me. It's, here's what the Bible says. And then from there, we let the Holy Spirit do a work only he can do. If you've ever, try, if you've ever tried to convict someone, it will be short-lived. <laughs> it's basically like temporary shame. That's what we do on our own. Um, but God is the only one who can bring true godly sorrow. So that's not our job to convict. Um, it's interesting to uh, see the uh, connections and similarities between the New Testament epistles, like Galatians, and the teachings of Jesus. It's almost like the same Holy Spirit and throughout the whole, all of Scripture. It's It's crazy. But Jesus taught on this very topic. So in, in Matthew 18, he says this, If your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. He's quoting Deuteronomy there. If they still refuse to listen, tell to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. It's almost like some people read this, and by the time the words make it to their eyeballs and then into their brain and processes, they read it like this. If your brother or sister sins, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I think there's some steps that you're missing here. Um, but... Uh, now, let me just say, there are times when we should be harsh. There are times. And, and Paul gives a, a great example of this in the church at Corinth. We see in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife. And this was not okay because he was proud. The Bible says he was proud. And that he didn't think that there's a problem. I can, I can claim Jesus, follow Jesus, and do whatever I want to over here. No, Paul says very strongly, expel the immoral brother among you. This is very, these are very harsh words. Um, but most people don't have, they don't have this proud attitude. So sometimes we are to be harsh, but we see here that we are to be gentle. So be gentle. 
So I need to, I have to pull in James chapter 5. I know we're in Galatians, so we're going to spend most of our time there. James 5 says this. If, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I'm going to ask, who is taking the initiative here? Is it the elders of the church? Are they going around trying to find people who are in trouble, who are in sin, who are sick? No, he says, let them call the elders. So the people who are in sin are the ones themselves bringing it into the light. And so secondly, the, the one who's in sin should take the initiative. How many of you have ever felt like you needed to talk someone, talk to someone about the sin in their life? And even if you didn't know for a fact it was there, you just felt the Holy Spirit just, you need to talk. And it was you, the, you're the one taking the initiative. You're the one bringing it up. How many of you just enjoy those conversations? You just look forward to them. How do, how do they go? They probably don't go very well. Uh, they're awkward. They're uncomfortable. I don't like, I don't want to do this. And because they're very awkward, um, they might jeopardize a friendship. Um, most people just don't have those conversations. Um, on the other hand, have you ever had someone come to you and say, hey, I'm dealing with something. I'm struggling with something. Can you pray for me? How much easier was that conversation? <laughs> this, this is, it's almost like this is how it's supposed to go. So if we're going to obey this command, Paul says in Galatians, to, of, of restoring our brothers and sisters from sin, each of us need to make the commitment to bring our own sin into the light by our own initiative when sin is present and not wait for someone to catch us or to, find, you know, to be found out by someone else. Because the problem is we are far too private with the things that we deal with but the solution is not telling others that you need to be more honest and open. The solution is all of us, me. Everybody say me. <laughs> the solution is all of us need to be more open and honest with ourselves. Um, if you've ever thought, man, I just wish this person would just be more open. They're, they just need to, no. Let's ask ourselves, am I open? Am I doing this? See, my job is to carry your burden with you, not to catch you in the act. I don't want to climb over the fence and get in your business when I'm not welcome. I don't want to do that. Um, it'd be really great if you just opened the gate yourself, opened the door yourself. Do you like having a salesman come to your door? Anybody like just enjoy that? I need the fruit of the Spirit in those situations. That's something I'm dealing with. Because I still, <laughs> I bought a $5,000 water purifier one time, and uh, my wife still reminds me of that, and so I have PTSD. So I can be very unloving to these people. But I don't, I don't ever remember a time a salesman just, you know, if I had the door unlocked, just walk in, just walk into my house. 
Um, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but if, if they did, it would not be good for that person. Um, but it's so much easier when people open the door themselves. And so in order for this process of restoration to work, we have to make the commitment to open the door for other people and invite them into what's going on. We take the initiative. So I want everyone to repeat after me this, this phrase, I will be open and honest. This is the solution here. Not, you need to, <laughs> no, I need to be more open and honest. Everybody's saying that. So, take initiative. Um, let's go back to verse 1, the second half of verse 1 in Galatians 6. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Okay, so when Paul says this, um, he's not meaning that, that, that you, you might be tempted in the same way, right, with the same sin. He's saying that the, the sin that you might be tempted with is the sin of pride, okay? Um, now, it's possible that you could be tempted in the same way. Like, if you have a friend who gets drunk often, right, and you're trying to restore them, and maybe you have a history in the past of dealing with alcohol abuse, and you find out he's in the bar, and you go to the bar to try to get him out of the bar, and now you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are drinking. And So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is it's possible for you to be tempted in the same way, but that's not what he's talking about here. We see this very clearly if you go to verse 3, he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. They can, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So basically what he's saying is that when you go and restore someone, don't think like you have it all together, like you're some super spiritual person compared to this helpless, lowly sinner over here, because um, that's pride. So we need to stay humble, number three. And this can happen really easily. Uh, we, we naturally like to compare ourselves with others. Um, and, so, and so recognizing someone else's sin kind of makes us feel better about ourselves. Um, unintentionally, we might feel this way or think this way. Um, at least I'm not doing that, right? At least I'm not doing this. But I'm doing pretty good, right? I think, too, we, we, uh, we like to fix things. How many of you like to fix things? How many of you like to fix people? I will uh, uh, um, occasionally, Pastor Bruce will bring me in on a counseling session. And I've done these myself, but I'm not the top choice. Just... You know, when someone comes in, they'd rather see the pastor, which is a good thing. But sometimes he'll bring me in, like, hey, Michael, come in with me. And these people are just sharing their heart. And pastor's just listening. And he's just doing so good at listening and encouraging. And I'm just over here like, I know the, I know the fix. I just want to say what they need to hear because I want to fix their problem. The Bible says this. They need to do that. Let's go. Let's get this done. This is why I'm not in his chair. <laughs> I've learned so much from just sitting next to him, just being gracious and helping them come to, come to it on their own. But I like to fix people. Um, and I think we do too. We all, all of us do. 
And I think we, we tend to amplify the sins of others while minimizing or completely denying our own shortcomings. Um, so don't put yourself on a pedestal as though you've never dealt with something in your life. And so when we give into this temptation that Paul talks about and we take on the pride, the Bible says, he says, we deceive ourselves because we're in sin too at that point. So you're in sin just like they are. So we need to learn to approach people with humility. This attitude that says, I know what it's like to be in your shoes. Even if you haven't dealt with that specific sin, we can all remember a time in our life when, when the, the, dove, the enemy's pull on our heart was strong. We can remember the, that season, that time in our life. And if you paint this picture of yourself that's perfect, you have no problems, no issues, you've never dealt with anything, it can be very difficult for that person you're trying to restore to believe they can get to where you are. They're thinking, well, you're perfect. It makes sense why you walk in obedience. You've never dealt with anything. But if we, we can show people our scars, hey, look, this is what God's done in my life. This is what I've been through, and this is how God worked in my life. I'm not, I'm not above you. Hey, we're in this together, trying to figure this out together. I love, was it last week, Pastor was talking about the, the Santa bell? That was last week, right? Guys, I don't know if you've, I, I, I related to that. I feel the same way. He was talking about how he was annoyed, he was annoyed by the people who are, ring the bells. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, and this is consistent, you know, however long I've been here. He's been a person of authenticity. He's real. He's just a regular person. And, and when we know that, it's like, okay, he still deals with things, so maybe I can, maybe I can get there too. Maybe I can grow in this area too. So when we approach people, let's, um, let's be humble. Because when we're humble, we, we give people hope that they can, they can do it too. They can walk in obedience too. Uh, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, I just want to say what this verse doesn't say. It does not say, tell your brother he has a burden. So we don't people say, we don't people say to people, hey, uh, so you're in sin. Um, this is what the Bible says. So get right with God or you might be facing eternal punishment. Good luck. We need to be willing to help carry the load with them. Some people feel like this should be the extent of their involvement. Just, okay. I'm going to point this out, and I'm done. And they feel like they've really accomplished something great by pointing out someone's sin. But simply pointing it out is not enough. And so if you're not willing to actually walk with them to help them overcome it, don't even bother having a conversation. I don't know that you're the right person for the job. This is a process. It's a journey. Um, this person is not some task or checkbox 
No, he's my brother in Christ. And, and I genuinely care about him enough to carry his load with him. I was a, at one point I was a seventh grader. Any seventh graders in the room? Just raise your hand if you're seven. Okay, a couple. So I sprained my ankle one time as a seventh grader, doing something I should have done here at the church, actually. Um, but uh, sprained my ankle, and I was on crutches for a couple weeks. And before class ended, uh, before every period, they let me go early so I could go to my locker, and they had stairs. And when there's a crowd and rush of people, it's really hard to be on crutches, so let me go early. But one time, I forgot my books that I needed, and so I had to go back up the stairs, and um, I tripped, and I fell on crutches. So my crutches went everywhere. My bag uh, uh, came off, and books were flying everywhere. I remember this one girl came up to me, looked me straight in the face, like, wow, that stinks, and then just walked off. (laughs) Have you ever wished that You could go back and say what you should have said. I so so want to be able to do that. It's probably good that we can't do that. But I wanted to say in the moment, yeah, I know. I know it stinks Um, because people are like actually stepping on me, walking on me. It would be really great if you could go down the stairs and get my crutch and help me up. That's actually what I need. Um, That's what I wanted to say. But, you know, just a little shy seventh grader. But um, that's what I needed. I needed someone to help me up, not just to point out my situation. So some people think God has, like, called them to fix people, to to point out faults in others. But I just want to ask you this question. Are you merely merely pointing out sin? Are you actually helping people overcome it? And one way that we can carry each other's burdens is to be a consistent encouragement in someone's life, even before they're in sin. Wow, that's a crazy thought. We can encourage people to walk in faithfulness and obedience before they fall. We do this by reminding them of who God is, of who they are, what God has done in their life, what their purpose is, what they're called to. Because most of the time we react to things. Like as a family, as a body of believers, we're, we're much too reactive. Oh, that, now they're in sin. Now, now, we, now we can step to the plate and help them. Well, now they're struggling with something. Okay, now we come in. No. Um, we, can, uh, we can prevent a lot of things if we're proactive, if we're an encouragement to somebody on a consistent, regular basis. Um, I remember several years ago, one of my friends was going through a divorce. And I didn't know, I didn't know that he was dealing with this. And I wanted to call him up and be like, hey, what are you doing? Do you not, this is so, this is your wife, you made a commitment. Do you not know what the Bible says? And I wanted to, to tell him the truth. Um, but in that moment, he didn't need that. What he needed is four years ago me encouraging him, praying for him. That's what he needed before it got to that point. And so um, one, of the, one of the reasons where we put so much energy into our community groups is because these meetings give us an opportunity to encourage people. 
to walk in obedience. Um, and so whatever passage that we're studying, sometimes people will, groups will talk about the sermon that morning, or if they're watching a video, whatever scripture you're studying, we get to ask, ask the questions like, are we actually doing this? Because we can come and listen to a sermon, go to a Christian living class all day long, but if all we're doing is hearing and not actually living it, it's pointless. It means nothing. So in our community groups, we get to say, hey, are we doing this? Are we actually living this out? Pastor Bruce cannot walk around to each of you and say, hey, after the sermon, he's like, hey, how does this, what does this look like for you? How does this apply to your life? What are some ways God can, can help you grow in this area? He can't do that. We'd be here for days. Then in a group setting, we can, we can have those conversations. And people are, are, they get to share. This is how I'm growing. This is what God is speaking to me. This is how I'm changing because of what the Bible says. People's lives are changing. They're becoming more like Jesus, specifically because of our community groups. And it's, so it's not a waste of time. It's not just a weekly hangout. We're in this together. We're walking in obedience together. When I'm around other people who are living out their faith, they rub off on me. Because I see, I see the fruit that's coming out of their life. I see the joy in their lives, the blessing that comes from them walking in obedience. And I, I, I see that. I'm like, I want, I want that. I want that in my life. So if you're not in a group, please know we're not just trying to get more attendance numbers. Like, hey, look how many people in groups. We're doing so great. That's we want you to have people in your life that will carry your burdens with you. Because if you've ever tried to walk with Jesus alone, I don't know if you've ever tried that. I've tried that. It doesn't go so well. This is not, this is not how God wants you to live. So the people in my group, group just personally, they, we would do anything for each other. They have my back. I have their back. We provide for each other. Pray for each other. We're in this together. This is, what we, this is how we live. So carry each other's burdens. Don't just point out someone's sin. Carry it with them. Uh, verse 5. For each one should carry their own load. At first glance, this might be kind of confusing. First he says, carry each other's burdens. Oh yeah, and also, uh, carry your own load. Like, to me, it's like kind of, at first glance, might be confusing. But Paul isn't contradicting himself. He's saying that we need to carry each other's burdens, and we need to carry our, loan as, our own load as well. And so number five, this is the last point, is pay attention to your own life. Either, I think there can be a real sense of fulfillment when we restore someone. Okay, someone's in sin, and I come alongside them, and I help them get free, and... I see this process take place, and there can be a real joy in that. And that's legitimate um, because when we walk in our purpose, I mean, this, there's, there's real joy in that. But if we aren't careful, we can easily get so focused on someone else's problems that we forget about, forget about our own. And there can even be a, a false sense of success when we're helping others while neglecting our own lives, 
our own families. Years ago, I had a friend, and he would go around doing ministry, praying for people, encouraging people, even several occasions and say, I have a word from God for you. And uh, he was just very confident, very gifted, very good communicator. But I knew, I knew the personal things that were going on in his life. We were pretty close. And I just, the public him didn't match up with the private. And um, I think in some ways our ministry can become an escape from reality. That, you know, if you've, you know, if you've lost control of, of your life and your marriage is, is really struggling and your, your kids, you just don't know how to get them back on track. But when you, when you, you help others and you see the, the, the fruit of that and you're like, wow, this is great. I forget about my life for just a couple minutes and feel like I'm doing something right. But Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your eye, your, your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let's take, uh, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck. And so first we've got to take the plank out of our own eye to learn to take care of our own life before you can go around trying to deal with other people's sins. And Jesus isn't saying this so that we never address sin. No, he says, take the plank out so that then you can see clearly to help your brother. But there there are too many, too many hypocrites. And... um, Never learn to carry their own load, get right with God so that they can help other people. See, our ministry should be an overflow from health rather than an escape from sickness. We don't do ministry because we we can't figure it out on our own, so we're just going to help other people. No, we should be walking in such a way that we're, we're walking in obedience. We are right with God. Because of that, we can help other people carry their burden. So let's just be people that, that take care of ourselves so we can help people around us. So this is just what I see in, in Galatians 6. And so I don't know what that means for you. And I just want to take a few mem- moments. We're going to sing a song. And in these next few minutes, I want to, you to ask God, all of us ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are, you, what are you speaking to me about? God, what do you want me to change in my life? It might be because you're, you're harsh with people. And, and God is saying, you need to be gentle. You need to be humble. You don't need to elevate yourself above other people. This pride. It could, be mean, it could mean because um, God's saying, hey, you need to uh, bring, bring whatever's in your life. You need to bring it to light. You need to allow people to carry your burdens with you. It might mean, hey, you need to you need to carry your own load. So I don't know what God is speaking to you, but I just I just want us 
just to take just a few minutes and allow God to do something in our heart. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today. And I pray that it wouldn't just be something that we hear or read and go on with life. But I pray that you would truly do a work in our hearts, that we would leave different, that we would leave looking more like you. Give us a burden, a passion, a desire to care for each other, to carry each other's burdens, to recognize that you've placed us in a community to live in community. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. As we sing, we just want to give this moment to you and ask that you would do a work.